0: Hello there and welcome to our podcast, Conversations in Noosa. My name is John Caruso. My next guest has built a global brand and business diverting tons of waste and turning it into in-demand fashion accessories and items. Katie Johnston travels the world holding trade shows and building on her philanthropic work. In this podcast, we talk about the challenges of a business that just keeps on growing, mentoring, the use of social media as a marketing tool, and her parents, especially her dad, who is an endless source of strength and resilience.
1: He's a farmer, so he's seen such horrific drought and, and such hardship, and... Um, but he's always has a, a smile, an optimistic approach, and a smile on his face and and things are tough, and yes, he struggles, but he always likes to strategize a way out of it and and think of how things can be better and what he needs to do now to so things uh, become better quicker, yeah, in the future. So. what
0: What kind of farm work was he involved in?
1: Ah, uh, so he's a farmer of crops and animals, uh, so he does yeah, different kinds of crops, wheat canola, um, yeah.
0: And I guess you need that kind of resilience when you work and and live on the farm, because that's, you know, you do go through those cycles, I know, yeah. because I'm the son of a sugarcane farmer. Yeah, right. So that's great. So you, you drew that from your mum and dad?
1: Oh, uh, To an extent. I mean, when I left school, um, I just went out guns blazing. I was so ready to take on the world. It was just um, a really exciting time for me, and I, I just had no... Limited thinking. I just thought anything and everything was possible and and so I started to health and wellness clinics And then I was assaulted. So my world came crumbling down and I've hit a really really dark space in my life and and that's kind of been the benchmark for (laughs) for bad things that have happened and and nothing's ever been close to that so I've been able to Compare things going on in my life to that situation and go oh listen. It's not it's not that bad things like so many people are so much worse off than I am and yes I'm going through an emotional time but I can't sit in this space forever it's so counterproductive and I've just like my dad got to strategize my way out of it and, and forget about it and move on so.
0: What did you want to do when you were in high school the final couple of years of school?
1: Yeah well. Because you I've, said
0: you were really gung-ho so what, yeah. what was on your mind?
1: Oh uh, I was I wanted to do everything and anything else I felt I feel like I've always been super entrepreneurial so I've wanted to um, do so many things during school and I I honestly like leaving school I had no idea but ironically because I then went on to study anthropology, sociology, psychology, medicine, all of these different things. But when I left school, I actually said I wanted to be a fashion designer. So that was at my graduation um, ceremony presented as this is Katie. She wants to be a fashion designer and a teacher. Um, And then I detoured so far from that. um, And I didn't get any support or encouragement? I only got. Oh, you have to be really good at that to be able to succeed. And I kind of just went. Oh shit! I don't know how to. <laughs> I don't know if I'm good enough. So I'll just go and like, kind of fit into some kind of space in society where where I can get my normal job. And oh, I just hated that. I hated normal.
0: <laughs> and is that the job that where you got fired? You talk about getting fired.
1: Oh yeah, kind of. Um it it was a little less normal than other jobs that i did have so i was working in conservation which i actually really loved like i mean i got to go out in nature every day and and work with volunteers and and lead them in planting trees and and rehabilitating forests and stuff. So that was an unreal job. Um, but I left that role because I moved for love. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> um, and then came back to work in, in that role that I was fired from. So that was an interesting experience, <laughs> to say the least.
0: Well, tell me more. Why, why was it an interesting experience?
1: Um, I was employed to uh, work in community engagement and manage a centre. So um, that center was, I believe that they had a a space to help people starting ventures, starting social enterprises, um, starting not-for-profit organizations just to help them succeed. And I felt like I was really well placed for that role um, because I had so much strategy and so much um, grounding in that space in business um, and in strategizing. So I felt I was really, really excited about it. And then I was in that job um, and I just kept getting funneled towards business admin. I was getting really frustrated and disheartened um, with my role and kind of started to uh, disengage from it, um, but then really believed I was of value in that space. So I, I kept Pitching ideas and and pitching events and pitching community engagement strategies and and marketing strategies to help um, business, their business, uh, and just kept getting shut down with it and um, you don't have a PhD, what do you know, kind of attitude. Um, and then yeah, I just cracked it one day and it was a bit dramatic probably. <laughs>
0: but but as we mentioned at the opening there, you know, that was the catalyst for you. Uh, you lost that job, you got yeah. fired, on your website there. And then that was a catalyst for you to, to pick up the pieces and you didn't play the victim and you didn't say, Well, it's everybody else's fault, what am I gonna do now? Poor uh, me.
1: I was hating on a lot of people for a long time. Okay. <laughs> no, not a long time. I mean probably a month. I was just a bit like I wasn't too impressed. I appreciate your honesty. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, I'm not I'm not an angel. Um but yeah, it did get to a point where I was like, well, I can just sit in this kind of victim mentality and yeah. and point the finger at everyone else or I can just prove them wrong. Prove them I do know what I'm doing and I I have good ideas and what I came up with can work. So I just, I was like a pit bull. I just locked jaw on this idea that came through one day and came into my mind. And I just, I wasn't having no for an answer.
0: While it's still fresh in our minds, and say there's you know some kids in the final years of senior, you know, 11 and 12, that are listening to this. Um, just back to that, you know you had a lot of mixed thoughts when you were about to leave school. You thought, ah, oh, you're not qualified for this or qualified for that. And is there a message? There, what, what have you learnt now, looking back to those last couple of years, in terms of a message or some motivation for kids mm. that quite haven't got it right or into place or... Cause you know it's a big it's a big decision. It doesn't all come to you at sixteen or seventeen years of age.
1: No, definitely not. It certainly didn't come to me at that age either. <laughs> and I so like relax. I, so, yeah, definitely. Like
0: don't don't be so stressed about it. I
1: think um my major thing was that I I didn't know that what I wanted to do existed in the world until I was a bit older and I just kept following what I wanted to do with relentless passion and kept following what I enjoyed and then this world opened up that I didn't know about and go, oh, it's a thing, cool. So my message would be just to be relentless and follow what you love because even if in your world at the moment you might not see there's a job or a role or whatnot, there will be, there's something out there for you So and you just have to get tunnel vision on what you want and focus on it with laser focus and don't let go.
0: Tell me a bit about the business now, EcoBling.
1: Yeah, well, I'm a few years into it. The start date's a bit blurry because I, you know, had time off and thought it was a useless idea and then got back into it because I really believed in it and then, you know, swayed and back and forth for a bit. So, What caused
0: you doubt there? Well, you said you had a, a, a period oh. where you thought it was going anywhere.
1: <laughs> Because it wasn't working straight away. <laughs> it wasn't turning massive profits straight away and these are, these it are rattled great, me. These are
0: still great messages for anybody that's building a, su- a successful Definitely. business to hear that, you know, yeah. there are stumbles and challenges. But mm. um, so what was it that, that kept you going?
1: Um, just my belief in, in my why. So I... My why is it's what gets me out of bed every day. The, the fact that I get to swing around on power tools and dive in skip-ins <laughs> is not uh, like what gets me out of bed. It's not something that I would say I'm passionate about. It's being deeply connected to why I want to do what I want to do, which is make the world a better place by planting trees and helping people. Um, and that's what gets me out. And so I didn't know what else how else I could tie all of my passions in and, and eco bling for me was perfect way of doing that. So I just kept at it. I kept coming back to it and going, No, this is good. I'm really onto something.
0: That love of the so. earth and, and nature and soil and vegetation did that again mm. from your dad as a farmer?
1: Uh, to an extent yeah i my parents are conventional farmers so they they do their conventional farming practices and and i think growing up i was spending most of my time like in the creeks and playing in the mud and, and just being super connected to nature and it wasn't till i left school and i traveled a bit that i understood more the concerns the world is facing and the and the problems that we have as a global society to work to Uh, to work it out together and I wanted to be part of that solution so I wanted to do things a bit differently to my upbringing and and be more focused on the number two biggest polluter in the world which is fashion so I um, thought everyone buys stuff everyone wears stuff I'm gonna make better stuff that's good for the environment and heals does some like positive impact not just does it less crappy? Mm. <laughs> I wouldn't do, do you, it well.
0: Can you remember um, one of the first piece or pieces that you worked on?
1: Oh yes, because <laughs> I took it to um, I took a piece when I got fired. I there was this crowdfunding. Oh uh, sorry, like investor pitching event that you went to, and I really hurriedly found a saw um it was like a rusty old saw so I found a piece of wood in the backyard that was from a fallen down chicken shed and I just hacked off this piece of wood and I took that as my sample and everyone was taking such beautiful like finished products ready for market. And I took this jagged, falling apart. It had probably mushrooms growing on the side of it because it had been rotting in the backyard. <laughs> and I took that as my sample and everyone's like, oh my God, you! what are you doing? You should have come next year and had more time to think about it. It must but, have
0: been one hell of a pitch though.
1: Well, my angle was, which was kudos to my strategic thinking, I think <laughs> my angle for it was, look how crappy this piece is. I need the money so I can make beautiful pieces. <laughs> I've got this great idea. I've not got the tools to make it happen. So can you give me some help so I can make this piece beautiful?
0: And did you get investors? Yeah. Back that? I, yeah. Got,
1: right. I got the money I needed to get the tools I needed. So it was all kind of, it was more of a, a, a gift. Um, they didn't want kind of part of the business, which was great because it was just gave me the freedom to experiment and learn and teach myself how to do everything.
0: And what about the first time you made a sale or the first time that someone showed real interest in a, in a piece that you'd created? Can you remember what that felt like?
1: Yeah, I mean, I have so much love and respect for the ladies at Synergy at Forest Glen. Um, They're they an ethically made fashion uh, design company. And they put EcoBling in their store. They were the first to do it. So, and I was I when they called me and said that they had sold out and they needed some more. I was just over the moon. I could not believe it that because my designs aren't very conventional. They're kind of quite like the especially the designs i had when i first started quite contemporary and quite wacky um and yeah i was so stoked to get that phone call saying that they i needed to invoice them i didn't know how to invoice so i had to google that (laughs) Um. so
0: you were hand making all these pieces solo yeah it was just you yeah where were you
1: uh, um, I was living at a hippie commune <laughs> um, in bel Park So I was using um, the shed in there for my cutting and sanding But then they kind of got a bit annoyed that I was using the space all the time So I used to take it all back to my room and, and use the hand drill <laughs> And drill it with a big dooner over me Because then I wouldn't make too much noise at night time So I'd just be sitting there at and, night on and, the floor
0: And what were, what were you working on? Tell me about some of those early pieces
1: um, mostly necklaces. Right. So, yeah, I found like I could be more creative with um, necklaces. So I was doing a lot of different ones of those and, and then just throwing it all out there and seeing um, what people were buying. And that's a strategy that I've really implemented from early on is put everything out there, put it all on the table and see what people gravitate towards and then use that to guide your future development. So do what people want. Um, and yeah use your strengths assess your strengths and do more of it
0: so how are you feeling then you get the call from synergy they tell you your stock sold out mm. so there's elation and then you've got to produce more yeah right
1: yeah yeah it's a cycle it's and that's to this day like that cycle is um up and down up and down all the time so you have a trade show and you can make 20, 30 grand in a day and then you have a month where you haven't made anything and you just, or you've made like for a few grand and you're like, oh my gosh, what's the hell's happening? But then you relate it back to like, I was so happy to make like $200 in a month back then. And I was just like, oh my God, the fact that it was working and that was enough evidence for me to see that it was working. And now like, obviously in my the comparisons now have changed a lot and instead of if i'm not making 20 grand a month i'm pretty annoyed (laughs) um so yeah it's a lot different but it's um yeah it's you just yeah gotta keep going
0: so how big is the operation now
1: well, I outsource a lot of stuff, as you can imagine, but I refuse to um, outsource the wood <laughs> making because I really love it. Um, I really like kind of creating different shapes and and recycling the wood. And I think because of the tree planting as well, it just like it's just such a magical experience to see these like old broken tables that were once trees getting recycled to fund the planting of trees. It's just yeah, I I wanna stay connected to it. I don't wanna get too um up in the air with all the business and admin because I just I just try and offload all that now. So um but obviously there's a But how do you keep of, up
0: with, with with the demand?
1: Um, just by outsourcing. I have a lot of stock on hand. So and like I said, um months are quiet. So I instead of um I, I produce all the time. I'm always making and I'm always stockpiling and yeah, it – almost runs out and then it's quiet so I top it back up and yeah it's it's just yeah
0: in the early days just when we when was starting to take off you got an invite to go overseas somewhere where, where was that oh yeah and you thought it wasn't fair income I know was,
1: I thought it was a scam because yeah. I like, get so many emails all the time of like this is gonna be amazing for you, you totally where was should it? do it where was it, <laughs> it was to eco fashion week in Seattle right um cuz they saw my designs and and saw that they were really kind of out there and unique and and would I be interested in doing a runway show and I was I just deleted it and then they emailed me again following up and I was like oh my gosh whoops <laughs> it's real uh so I just I have this mantra that just to say yes and deal with the fear later. So I'll just offer... That's a the... good philosophy. Yeah, uh... I think so because I mean, like this, you fear. Oh, it's such a gross thing. It just gets in your way. So you're
0: I the think... second person today in this studio who, oh, when yeah? opportunities have come along, they just say yes.
1: That's awesome. And roll with it. Yeah, I mean, like, what's the wo- what is the worst that can happen? Like, it's it's yeah, not much is gonna happen really. <laughs>
0: so imagine you sur- You get to mm. Seattle.
1: Yeah. So. I make a massive collection of these, like, huge sculptural versions and I, I fly them over to Seattle and, and get it all ready. And my mum tagged along with me too, which was amazing. So she said she wouldn't miss it for the world and she didn't, so which was pretty exciting. I had no idea what I was doing. I'd never even been to a runway show. So I Googled my way through that. <laughs> and I think um yeah, I, I had a show. It was amazing. It was raved about by everyone. It was really surreal like getting ranked first in all the media all the blogs and it was just such a crazy feeling because like a month ago a month before two months before that I'd never been to excuse me I'd never been to a, a runway show before so I think I was able to think outside of the box and and put on like a really artistic um, expression. So it was not just like stuff on a runway. It was like a full show. I thought that's what you were meant to do. I didn't. Know. <laughs> I didn't know you. Um, were just meant to put your stuff on the runway. <laughs> and was
0: that was that the turning point for you when when you started to get a global customer base?
1: Yeah, it was really, really, really cool to um get that uh, acknowledgement from. The design world because of being like self-taught and and not having a degree in design or um uh, art or anything. I mean, I have a degree in psychology. <laughs> um, it was really, really like flattering. So and um from it just gave me permission to be weird, and I I love that. Like I love just going crazy with the runway shows, and I've done several since then. Um, and then scaling it down to inspire the retail collection. So it's, um yeah, it really did give me uh, permission, I guess, to keep doing my thing, which is really cool because you second-guess yourself so much. It was really cool to, to get that encouragement. What
0: important marketing tools does mm-hmm. EcoBling employ and what works best and well for your company?
1: Yeah, so EcoBling is like a... And I only found this out having experimented with so many different strategies and, and beating my head up against the wall with <laughs> things like social media. It's um, it's such a crock sometimes for In what way? certain industries. I mean, for EcoBling, EcoBling is such a tactile product and it has such a story that can On the tags, it has written what the piece once was. So, for example, um, the earrings I'm wearing now, um, I pulled a chunk of wood out of a skip in the other day that was um, part of a table that had been chopped up and thrown away. Um, so I pulled that out and made earrings into it.
0: How do you discover the backstory though, to a piece like that?
1: Oh, I, I, well now it's much easier because I'm at a factory in Noosa. Right. So um, a furniture making factory. Is that Green Cathedral? Yeah, yeah Green right. Cathedral. You yeah, met Sally and <laughs> oh, uh, cool.
0: Partner's name? Husband's? Tim. Tim, that's yeah.
1: right. <laughs> Um, so, but beforehand I had, um, tradie friends like all the time just saying these beautiful hardwood yeah. kitchens just being pulled only, out.
0: It was only because the, there's a picture on your website and then you mentioned it again earlier about having your head stuck in a skip. And yeah. I thought, well, <laughs> how, how are you across the history of a particular yeah, item? Yeah.
1: Well, usually it's fairly obvious because, um, people don't take the time to like chop it down. They just like stomp on it or uh, if it's yeah, small yeah. enough, it just goes straight into the bin or to the a tip or what have you. Um, so it's pretty obvious what the piece once was and I just go like scratching around yeah. for hardwood.
0: But back to what you were saying, you, the, the, just that statement where you said sometimes social media is a bit of a crock.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. I guess it depends on your product and depends on um, your audience. I think social media is good for um, something with a bit more personality behind it, whereas I try and like let the brand lead it, not necessarily my face lead it. Um, so yeah, it, it depends. Like social media is great for me, um, if I'm having a sale or if I'm like doing a campaign, um, cause I, I do some campaigns with not for profit organizations. So, but as far as ongoing, um, sales go, it doesn't work so much because like I said, it's such a tactile uh, experience and you read the tag and see what it was from, and you can't really get that. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. So where um, do your customers come from? So I do trade shows now. Yeah. Um, and they're phenomenal. Like they cost a an arm and a leg to do, but what do great. what do they involve? I've, I... Yeah. So, um, basically you rent a space, um, in a massive exhibition center or hall or um, wherever you're going, depending on what it is. Um, so I do life in style in um, Sydney and Melbourne at the moment and Moda, I got invited to do Moda in London, wow. which I'm really excited about. That's in August.
0: And sorry, is that with other retailers?
1: No, no. That's, so that's just you. You take your label and you have to build like a pop-up shop, I guess, to display all your product in all its sizes, in all its glory and like fully put on this really well I mean some people just put out a table I don't (laughs) I do like full walls and green walls and like trees and stuff in mine and I do like different layered tables which I make myself from recycled materials and doors and whatnot Um. so yeah I create like a a big experience and I have a big display because I didn't feel like I could uh, do my brand justice on a small playing it safe mode so I just wanted to like, yeah, really step into it, and it, it I nailed it. It worked really, it works well. And
0: how many tra- trade shows would you do in, in a twelve month period?
1: Um, well, ideally I'll do four. I'm working oh. up towards that. But in Australia, there's only two that are really worth going to for my product, and um, everyone's product's going to fit into a different trade show. But for mine, it's Life in Style because that's where all the boutiques uh and more kind of yeah mid to high-end stores uh store owners go um so yeah uh i will do two in australia uh which is life and stuff and yeah i want to do two more overseas and one in the us and one in um london which appeals to the european market
0: how much travel do you do
1: um i i've been a bit quiet lately i probably travel a couple times a year overseas um One, I do, like, if I go to um, runway shows, I'll go travel for that. And then I do kind of more philanthropic work. So, I went to Nepal um, to work with communities after the earthquake there. Um, How long ago was that? uh, About two years ago. Right. Yeah. Um, So, I was working with them to make beads out of the earthquake rubble from their homes so they could sell that and raise money to rebuild. So, yeah, that was really special and I, I like to do those kinds of things. I want to go to Africa soon and visit the food, tree f- food forests that I've been responsible for because I haven't been there yet. It's a bit slack.
0: What would you say would be one of the most challenging aspects of running <laughs> your
1: business? Um, sales. <laughs> I mean, there can never be enough. Right. Um, even if every single person in the world had a piece of eco-bling, it would never be enough because there's so I, I don't many want to be rude but
0: I'm almost I, I feel like I want to ask you what your turnover is but you don't need to answer no, that No, I won't answer that, that
1: that's okay. <laughs> Early stages too I don't think you can um, judge uh, I think there needs to be like at least five years on the books sure. before you can get a real idea of if a business is successful Yeah um, because, yeah, at this stage, like, we've had some really good wins and really good opportunities. But, I mean, like, there's been months there that it's really petered out. And so, average is not, like, doesn't look that crash hot. But yeah. I would refrain from letting your business take off. I think slow grow. If you can manage a slow grow business, and by slow, I mean, like, not snail pace. Like, I'm talking, like, go from zero to 100 in a year, not a month. <laughs> um. So, and I think if you can slow it down a bit if it is sca- like if it is growing really quickly i think you've got a better opportunity to notice what's weak in your business and put strategies in place to strengthen that and then to you can take your time in finding the right staff or the right people to outsource to um, and ask all the questions you need to rather than throwing jobs at people who say they can do it but really when it comes down to it they're not capable and you've wasted so much time and resources doing that so I think while you're starting if you can have a very strategic and measured uh, growth um, I think that's way better than a going from like zero to a hundred in a month and trying to kind of plug all the holes to the sinking ship. Cause it's, um, yeah, it's, I see it everywhere, like in all the business mentor groups and, and people talking about how wonderful they're doing and they've gone like crazy insane amount of growth in such a short time. And a year later they're going under because they haven't been able to regulate that or do the best, make the best decisions yeah. for their business. So. Do you have a mentor? I do, I have several. At the moment, I think about six um, mentors <laughs> and they're all multi-millionaires. Some of them are billionaires. So it's really cool to be able to uh, lean on them for just a quick question or like a word of encouragement. Oh, Can you share it. some
0: advice that you've heard from your, your, your Oh my six gosh,
1: where do I start?
0: Mentors, just a line or something yeah, that... Yeah, that... well,
1: they're always very sceptical with who I lean on like and they've got my back which is amazing so and they're I think the common theme is to be careful with who you listen to because there's so many people posing in the world there's so many people just going talking and they have massive social media following and good on them like they've worked hard to get that but when it comes down to is their business successful financially and is it sustainable um you look into it it's not it's just BS. So I think their advice collectively would be to be very careful with who you listen to um, who you strive to become is influenced by the people who are around you. So just be very careful with who you choose to have around you and, and don't be afraid to cut the cord to people who don't have a clue or if you get a, a sniff of people who don't have a clue and and they think they're... <laughs> They know it all. And it's a cliche
0: question, but what's your your plan, Katie? um, In say another five or ten years, do you do you hope that the business you'll have people in place to run your business, and you can do more philanthropic work? And is that what you'd like to do?
1: Ideally, yeah. So I mean, um, I have a few other businesses. I've just got patents on a um, an invention that I've created, uh, which is really exciting time for me. And hopefully, I'll be able to talk more about that towards the end of the year because <laughs> um, I have, yeah, invested. I've just, yeah, it's very top secret. <laughs> um, so <laughs> I will be working very hard on on getting EcoBling to be a kind of a self-perpetuating machine. Um, and then obviously funneling profits through to the philanthropic work is really important for me. It's That's where my passion is. So I want to be able to be self-funded. I don't want to rely on... I've started a not-for-profit and that tanked so really quickly (laughs) um because I just thought there was more generous people in the world than what there are and not not fault of their own um everyone's in different financial circumstances um so I really want my philanthropic work to be self-funded so I'm just going at it as hard as I can to make that happen and um yeah thinking of pretty awesome i think they're brilliant ideas to uh, eliminate the world of waste so
0: great. appreciate your time thank, thank you, you katie johnston <laughs> thank you She's a real go-getter and a pleasure to talk to. I hope you got something out of that. And if you think there are other like-minded individuals in your social media circle, please feel free to share the podcast you've just listened to on your social media channels. Don't forget, fresh podcasts every Monday and Thursday on the In Magazine website, innosomagazine.com.au forward slash conversations. Until next time.